0: Welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 174. Today we'll be picking things up in the book of Zechariah. And uh, a little bit about Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet. He was a a contemporary of uh, Haggai. And so they uh, prophesied and preached around 520 uh, B.C. This was at a time after the return of the exiles from Babylon back to uh, Jerusalem. And so uh, those exiles were tasked with the responsibility of rebuilding the temple that the Babylonians had torn down and ravaged. Um, they started this process, but they became discouraged because they had opposition uh, at the time. So they stopped for a while. Uh, then, the word, uh, then the Lord sent his prophets to encourage them to pick it back up. And so that's what the exiles did. They started to rebuild um, the temple after taking many years um, off from doing so. Now, the entire process took about 23 years for the temple to be re- uh, rebuilt. It was restarted somewhere around 520 uh, B.C. and completed somewhere around uh, 515 B.C. And so this is the time period that we find Zechariah in. So with that, let's get started. It says here, a plea for repentance. It says, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah. Verse 2, the Lord was extremely angry with your ancestors. So tell the people this is what the Lord of Armies says. Uh, return to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. And so return to me and I'll return to you. So uh, we always need to respond uh, to the Lord when he makes a plea. Because um, a lot of his promises and whatnot are conditional based on what we do. So he says, return to me and I'll return to you. Verse four, it says, um, do not be like your ancestors. The earlier prophets Proclaim to them, this is what the Lord of Armies says: Turn from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not listen or pay attention to me. This is the Lord's declaration. So, what he's saying, uh, telling uh, Zechariah to tell the people is, "Look, I told your ancestors through through my prophets to essentially stop doing evil. You know, quit quit this stuff. But they didn't listen to me." It says in verse six. But didn't my words and my statutes that I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? In other words, the Lord is saying, didn't I tell them what would happen to them? And isn't that exactly what happened to them? And so don't do like your ancestors did. Let, Let them be an example to you. You know, don't do what they did. Don't ignore me. It says, so the people repented and said, as the Lord of armies decided to deal with us for our ways and our deeds, so has he dealt with us. And so the, Lord, so the people are acknowledging, yes, Lord, you are correct. Our ancestors did not uh, listen to you and we do not want to be like them. So we want to repent. And then we get into a section where uh, Zechariah has a series of eight visions. The Lord is uh, delivering visions to him, uh, apparently in in his sleep via dreams or whatever. Not all the prophets had visions, but Zechariah did. And a lot of times in these, like any dream, you know, you get dreams that sometimes don't make any sense. Right. And so he would get dreams and these dreams would have characters and other things in them that were symbolic of something. And so a lot of times they had to be interpreted. And so Zechariah would ask a man of the Lord, what does this mean? (laughs) So let's get started here in verse eight. It says, I looked out, uh, 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 it says, first vision, horsemen. So it's a vision of horsemen. Verse 8, I looked out in the night and saw a man riding a chestnut horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the valley. Behind him were chestnut brown and white horses. I asked, what do these mean? Or I asked, what are these, my Lord? And so Zechariah says, I see these horses. What does it mean? The angel who uh, was talking to me replied, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, uh, they are the ones the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So these horsemen, these horsemen are ones uh, that the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. Verse 11, they reported to the angel of the Lord standing among the myrtle trees. We have patrolled the earth and right now the whole earth is calm and quiet. So so these are like his scouts, you know, he sent out patrol, patrol the earth, report back to me what it is that you see. Verse 16. Therefore, this is what the Lord says in mercy. I have returned to Jerusalem. My house will be will be rebuilt in it. And so this is an important word, right? Because again, um, uh, Haggai and now Zechariah uh, are, are preaching a similar message to the people. They're trying to encourage the people to pick back up all of your tools, your shovels, and whatever else you need, rebuild the temple, even though there are people in the land trying to oppose you. And so this word is proclaiming that, yes. I'm going to rebuild it in verse 17. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord of Armies says. My cities will again overflow with prosperity. The Lord will once more comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. So says, not only are they trying to encourage the people to rebuild the temple, they're giving them a picture of what will happen after that is done. The Lord is telling them that again, this city, this place that looks desolate and ruined right now, it will again overflow with prosperity second vision says four horns and craftsmen. Then I looked up and saw four horns. So I asked the angel who was speaking with me, what are these? He said to me, these are the horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So these horns, I guess, represent the nations that scattered uh, the Judeans because of their wickedness. In verse 20, it says, then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I asked, what are they coming to do? He replied, these are the the horns that scattered Judah so no one could raise his head. These craftsmen have come to terrify them. So the craftsmen have come to terrify the horns uh, to cut off the horns of the nations that raised the horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. And so these craftsmen have come to uh, essentially pay back the nations that scattered Jerusalem, that scattered Judah. And so... So remember now, God assigned the Babylonians to come in and essentially discipline the Judeans uh, because of their wickedness and apostasy and whatnot. But apparently they went too far and they got big in pride and whatnot and the Lord wasn't having it. And so now they're being taken care of. And so that's the that's the vision that uh, Zechariah is having. The third vision is surveyor. This is in chapter two. He says, I looked up and saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered me to measure Jerusalem to determine its width and length. Hmm. Verse four, Jerusalem will be inhabited without walls because of the number of people and animals in it, says the Lord. The declaration of the Lord, I myself will be a wall of fire around it and I will be the glory within it. So apparently the survey, the surveyor is, is representing uh, what the Lord will be for Jerusalem. So he's measuring the, the size of the city and the, and the Lord is saying, look, I myself, they don't need a wall because I myself am going to be a fire around it and my glory will be in it. So let's go on to chapter three. It says fourth vision, high priest and branch. Then he showed me the high priest, Joshua, standing before the angel of the Lord. Get this. with Satan standing at his right side to accuse him? And so many times when we get a, a, a picture of Satan, uh, picture a, a courthouse, right? And so Satan is essentially the accuser. Satan is the prosecutor. And so on the defense side, you have us, you know, and then Jesus is our Uh, defense attorney and so uh, satan stands there accusing the brethren accusing them of everything and jesus is there in order to defend us before the lord god almighty so that's the picture i get in my head when i see stuff like this it says with satan standing at the right side to accuse him the lord said to satan this is like the judge the lord is the judge the lord said to satan the lord rebuke you satan may the lord who has chosen jerusalem rebuke you so, so, essentially the judge is rebuking the prosecutor, you know, he's rebuking. You. He says, no, I rebuke you. And he says this, he says, isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, what the Lord is saying, isn't this man standing before you that you're uh, standing before me that you are accusing? Haven't I snatched him out of the fire? Haven't I saved him? Satan, you don't understand what I'm doing here. I've saved him. I've snatched him out of the fire. In verse three, it says, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him. Take off these filthy clothes, he said to him. See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with festive robes. Now, this is a picture of what happens when we repent before the Lord. We come before the Lord with filthy clothing, with our sin. You know, we are contaminated with sin. And when we confess Jesus and come before the Lord, I should say when we sincerely confess Jesus and sincerely come before the Lord to, uh, to repent. Again, repent means to turn, to turn from our wicked ways, to turn from our sin. When we sincerely do that, it's akin to the Lord clothing us with new clothes, right? festive robes. See, we've been washed now with the blood of Jesus. We've been what? We've been cleansed. And now we stand before the Holy One uh, in radiant in his radiance, you see. And so this is a picture of that. And so uh, let's drop down to verse eight. And verse eight says, listen, (laughs) high priest Joshua, you and your colleagues sitting before you. Indeed, these men are a sign that I am about to bring my servant, the branch. What does that mean? The Lord is saying, look. Th- these visions that you're having and these men that are before you and beside you, this is a sign that I am to, uh, about to bring my servant, Jesus. So this is a foretelling of Jesus uh, uh, coming. Now, remember, this is about, they're about 520 B.C. So this is about 500 years until Jesus is born. Okay, so this is being prophesied about 500 years before the event. <clears throat> Let's go on to chapter four. Fifth vision, gold lampstand, the angel who was speaking with me then returned and roused me as one awakened out of sleep. He asked me, what do you see? I replied, I see a gold lampstand with a bowl at the top. The lampstand was also uh, the lampstand also has seven lamps at the top with seven spouts uh, for each of the lamps. It says in verse four, then I asked the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? So he saw essentially a lampstand, a candelabra, and he's saying, I don't know what this is. What are these? Verse five. Don't you know what they are? Reply, replied the angel who was speaking with me. I said, no, my Lord. So he answered me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord God of Hermes. So what does this mean? What the angel is telling uh, uh, Zechariah that this dream is about is this is a word to Zerubbabel that you will not rebuild my temple by your strength, by your own efforts and, 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 and whatnot. So don't, don't be concerned about it because this will be rebuilt by <coughs> my spirit. This is what God is saying. See, not by your strength, not by your might, but by my spirit, this temple will, will be rebuilt. And so this is the word that is to go to uh, Zerubbabel. And for me, that would be a comforting word because I'd be all concerned that how am I going to get this done? How am I going to get that done? And and the word is coming. No, not by your efforts, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to me. Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation of this house and his hands will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you. See, and so what the the word is saying here is that look, Zerubbabel's hand started this, and his hands will finish it. And when they finish it, then everybody will know that you, Zechariah, was sent by me. See, in other words, your, wor- your word will be confirmed because what I'm telling you that's going to happen will, in fact, happen. And so that had to be a comforting word to Zechariah. Let's go on to chapter 5. And it says, look, oh, sixth vision, flying scroll." It says, I looked up and saw a flying scroll. What do you see? He asked me, I see a flying scroll. I replied, uh, 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. Then he said to me, first of all, 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. That's pretty precise, but that's a big freaking scroll. Right? And so it says, then he said to me, this is the curse that is going out over the whole land. And so representative on this scroll is a curse that's going out over the whole land for everyone is a thief contrary to what is written on one side has gone unpunished. And so it's saying, look, everybody is, everybody who is a thief, it says, let me back up for everyone who is a thief has gone unpunished. And everyone who uh, swears false, everyone who swears falsely contrary to what is written on the other side has gone unpunished. And so this is saying, look, the thieves and those, those who lie, They have thus far gone unpunished. And it says in verse four, I will send it out. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It will stay inside his house and destroy it along with its timbers and stones. And so the vision he saw was a scroll going out and going into the houses of the thieves and the one who swear falsely by God and destroying their houses and presumably them. <laughs> the seventh vision, it says, women in, a woman in a basket, verse five, then the angel uh, who was speaking with me came forward and told me, look up and see what is approaching. So I guess Zechariah looks up and see what's approaching. So I asked, what is it? He responded, it's a measuring basket that is approaching. And he continued, uh, this, is, this is their iniquity in all the land. And so this basket represents all the iniquity, all the evilness, the wickedness, idolatry, you know, all everything bad, everything evil. This basket represents and it's approaching them. Then it says in verse seven, then the lead cover was lifted and there was a woman sitting inside the basket. Verse eight, this is wickedness. So that woman represents wickedness of the entire land and she's in the basket. Um, he shoved her down into the basket and pushed the lead weight over its opening. So I guess he opened the lid, showed him and then closed it again. Then in verse nine, it says, then I looked up and saw two women approaching with the wind in their wings. The wings were like those of a stork and they lifted up the basket between the earth and sky. So these two women, I guess, angelic creatures came, lifted the basket and it was between the earth and the sky so i asked the angel who was speaking with me where are they taking the basket to build a shrine for it in the land of shinar uh, he told me when it is ready the basket will be placed there on its pedestal and so shinar is is another name for babylon and so we have this basket full of evil full of wickedness you know representative of or represented by the woman in the basket two i guess angels come pick up the basket, and take it to Babylon. This is representative of evilness and wickedness leaving the land. And so evilness and wickedness is leaving the land, going to its pedestal in Babylon, where Babylon will be destroyed, and so evil and wickedness will be defeated. And so this is this is how the vision, or the, 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 the yeah, this is the vision, and how it's uh, symbolically represented. Let's go to chapter 6, and it says, 8th vision four chariots. Then I looked up and saw four chariots coming from between two mountains. The mountains were made of bronze. So I inquired of the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? The angel told me, these are four. These are the four spirits of heaven going out, uh, presenting themselves to the Lord of the whole earth. And so, the, well, let me keep reading. Let's drop down to verse seven. And it says, the strong horses uh, went out. The strong horses went out. They wanted uh, to patrol the earth. So the Lord said, go patrol the earth. So they patrolled the whole earth. And so these horses are representative, uh, representative of God's spirit. And four, because the north, east, south, and west, represents the whole earth. And so these horses, God's spirit, covers the whole earth, looking for, you know, back and forth for evil. <laughs> you know? So they're patrolling the whole earth. It says crowning branch in verse nine. The word of the Lord came to me, take an offering from the exiles, take silver and gold, make a crown and place it on the head of Joshua, the high priest. You are to tell him this is what the Lord of armies says. Here is a man whose name is branch. He will branch out from his place and build the Lord's temple. So a lot of times when we see the word branch, again, it's representative of Jesus. So we have kind of a parallel thing going on. It says in verse 13, he will bear royal splendor and will sit on his throne and rule. Now, this is important. There will be a priest on his throne and there will be peaceful counsel between the two of them. Now, in these days, in these past days, you had kind of a, a, a two headed uh, leadership thing. Right. So you had the king that represented the political leadership, the civil law everything that was to go on governing people with regard to that, then you had the high priest who was the governing authority of the people's spiritual life. And so there were two separate offices, if you will, you know, the prime minister or the president, which was called the king. And then you have the high priest on the other side. Here, what's happening is the two are becoming one they were distinct entities in the past, but now you have the two becoming one. You have, you have the political, uh, 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 civil side, and the, spirit, the spiritual side represented in one office, in one person. This is pointing to Jesus, where he would come and be the governor of all aspects of our lives. You see? And so it so says there will be a priest on his throne. And so there will be a priest that will be combined with the king. So there will be a king-priest or a priest-king, if you will, and that had not existed before. That was radically different in uh, a radically different concept of how life was back in these times. Let's go on to chapter 7. It says disobedience and fasting. The word says, Now the people of Bethel had sent uh, Asherazer and rejim and their men to plead for the Lord's favor. So the people of Bethel had sent some of their uh, dignitaries uh, to, the, uh, to Jerusalem to plead for the Lord's favor. It says, should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we have done, with many, uh, as we have done these many years? And so what they're saying is, when we were in exile, okay, uh, we mourned and fasted in the fifth month, but now we're not in exile anymore. So now that we have returned, should we continue to do this? Should we continue to mourn and fast is what they're asking. Then the word of of the Lord of armies came to me. It says, ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and the seventh months for these 70 years, did you really fast for me? So they're calling what they did did fasting, but Zechariah is saying, look, when you did all this for these 70 months, was it really a fast? Did you really fast for me? Meaning, did you really fast for the Lord God of armies? Then it says in verse 6, when you eat and drink, don't you eat and drink simply for yourselves? In other words, he said, you're talking about fasting, but I think you're just doing this out of some rote ritual and don't have any uh, uh, understanding or any desire or, or, or any sincere uh, humbling of yourself before the Lord. Then it says in verse 8, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. The Lord of armies uh, says this, make fair decisions, show faithful love and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the, re, uh, the resident alien or the poor, and do not plot evil in your hearts against one another. And so Zechariah is telling the people, look, I don't know what you were doing, but... This is what the Lord wants. See, he doesn't want some ritualistic uh, a thing born out of tradition. This is what He wants. See, he's after, how, he's after your heart. How do you treat people? See, do you oppress widows? You know Do you oppress the fa- uh, fathers? Do you oppress resident aliens? And the poor, I don't want any of that. I don't want you to do that. Let's go on to chapter eight. And in chapter 8, it says obedience and feasting. And so let's drop down here to verse 14. He says, for the Lord of armies says this, as I resolved to treat you badly when your ancestors provoked me to anger, I did not relent, says the Lord of armies. (laughs) You know, when you provoke me into anger, you know, and I resolved within myself that I was going to punish you for it. That's exactly what I did. Verse 15. So I have resolved again in these days to do what is good to Jerusalem and the house of Judah. Don't be afraid. He says, just as I have resolved, just as just as I had resolved to punish you for your wickedness, I am now resolving to treat you well. He says, don't be afraid. These are the things you must do. Again, so th- this is revealing of the heart of God. This is what he's trying to tell his people. This is what I've been after all this time. He says, speak truth to one another. Make true and sound decisions within your city gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor. And do not, um, and do not love perjury. For I hate all of this. See, the, the Lord is very clear of what he loves and what he hates. See, He hates all of this. He hates lying. He hates when we make dumb decisions. (laughs) He hates the plotting of evil. He hates when we treat our neighbor uh, in a manner in which we shouldn't be treating our neighbor. He's, He's telling us what he hates. And on the contrary, he's telling us what he loves. You know, these things are not mysteries. And then it says in verse 19, the Lord of armies says this. The fast excuse me, yeah, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of, of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month will become times of joy, gladness and cheerful festivals for the house of Judah. Typically, when we think of fast, we think of a punishing. We think of something painful. You know, something hurt when we deny ourselves food. We're hungry and we're denying ourselves food and drink. You know, that's painful. That's hard. But the Lord is saying here, when you go on these fasts that you normally go on, instead of these things being painful, they will be times of joy and gladness. See? And there will be cheerfulness. And then it says, therefore, love truth and peace. You know, if we love truth and peace, then the manifestations of that, the results of that will be joy, will be gladness, will be cheerfulness in things that we would normally not think of in those terms. Our reality will be shifted, if you will. Our perspective will be adjusted. All we have to do is love truth and love peace. Mm. Incredible word. And with that, we are done for the day. And we will pick it up in Zechariah uh, chapter 9 tomorrow. Uh, I think we will probably finish uh, finish Zechariah tomorrow. And then we'll get on to the last book in the Old Testament, which is Malachi. And um, that's where we'll be. And so remember in Romans 10, read it and read it and read it. Because you get that in you, you get that in your soul, you know that you sincerely confess that Jesus is Lord and the word promises that you will be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. For the Lord God makes no distinction between Jew and Greek. Amen. With that, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody take care, stay safe, be blessed. We'll catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye.